0: I'm Melinda Hemelgarn a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture, and find food truth. And today I'm delighted to welcome Ms. Nancy Alderman. She is the founder and president of Environment and Human Health, Inc., E-H-H-I for short, which is a non-profit organization composed of physicians and public health professionals who are dedicated to protecting human health from environmental harms. Ms. Alderman received her MES degree from the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies. Over the past 20 years, EHHI has researched and written over 14 important research reports that have almost all led to policy changes at a state or federal level. EHHI has a website that gets over 100,000 visitors a month, which enables the organization to reach people and state agencies all over the country and beyond. That website is www.ehhi.org. Welcome, Nancy.
1: Thank you. Happy to be with you.
0: You raised an important issue with regard to bottle bills that we are going to dive into. But I want our listeners first to know about EHHI, because I have found your reports on health and the environment to be extremely effective in both consumer and professional education. And you have covered issues from recycling, plastics, asthma, artificial turf, breast cancer, cell phones, drinking water wells, flame retardants, lawn chemicals, and pesticides and many more issues. How do you arrive at the topics that you want to dive into?
1: Well, our board, we have 11 members who are either physicians or public health professionals or policy experts, and we meet and we discuss what are the important issues right now that are affecting human health that are in the environment, and how can we affect them, and how can we move policies that will better protect the public. And that's how we come up with what we've done. So we did flame retardants actually 13 years ago, and it's a remarkable report. However, we're only getting flame retardant bills in different states in the last two years. It takes a long time, and I've had to learn that, from the time you educate people, to what the problem is out there that's really harming health, to where you actually get the policy changes. It's very rare to get a very fast policy change. And we've had a couple of them. We did a school bus report where we measured the children on the buses for the amount of diesel that they were actually breathing in, diesel exhaust, while they were on the bus. And we found it was 10 times the level of diesel in the outside and that they were going to school breathing all this diesel exhaust. And we figured out how we could change that, and we put a bill in, and within two years, we did change how school buses were delivering school children, and we changed how the buses worked, and that was quick. But a lot of what we've been doing takes a lot of perseverance, takes quite a long time.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's an important reminder because we are geared to wanting to see change happen very quickly. I remember also reading about when something is reported in the news, if it's not continually reported in the news, people think a problem has been solved. So, for example, we are going to be talking about bottle bills today and the issue of plastic pollution. But we have to continuously report on this issue until we see a policy change. And it might seem like we keep talking about the same things over and over, but it's important to keep them front in mind.
1: I agree with that. And the reason the bottle bill is so important, it's not only plastic. I mean, if you think about bottles. First of all, soda comes in cans as well as plastic bottles. Also, some of our iced teas come in glass. So we're really talking about plastic, glass, and aluminum. So the bottle bill is extremely important for dealing with the plastic epidemic, but it deals with far more than that. And that's why it's such an important tool for all of us to use.
0: Right. Okay. So let's introduce the definition of bottle bills or bottle redemption bills. What are they exactly?
1: So the way a bottle bill works, it creates a system where the consumer pays a designated fee on a beverage bottle when it purchases the beverage. And then when the consumer returns the empty beverage container to the store, the deposit is refunded to that person. And the purpose of this law was to get bottles out of the waste stream. Because when you put an actual amount of money on each bottle, people will, on the whole, depending if you put enough money on the bottle, they will bring it back. And so we see these bottle bills first enacted a long time ago. They were first done in the 1970s and the 1980s. Oregon was actually the first state to have a bottle bill, and that was as early as 1971. Connecticut, where I live, was in 1978. And what's sort of interesting, because those are old bottle bills, the concern back then was over water, beer, and soda. And as I mentioned, soda does come in plastic, but it also comes in cans. And beer, of course, comes in glass. However, back then, the market for iced tea, sports drinks, and juices didn't exist. So those early bottle bills, what they addressed was what was in the market, which was water, beer, and soda. But what has grown, and anybody who goes to market sees a whole aisle of juices and a whole aisle of iced teas and sports drinks. And these were not included in the original bottle bills. So the trick was, how do we modernize these bills so that they will take in these enormous numbers of bottles that were not included? And the other problem was, 50 years ago, when they were designed, the deposit was five cents. And that really is not quite high enough, so we had in Connecticut a five cent redemption fee, but we were only getting fifty percent of the bottles back and Then we saw that Michigan had raised its to ten cents, and it caused them to get ninety two percent of their bottles back. so the amount you put on the bottles is extremely important. Norway has it twenty five cents. You'll never get that in this country, but it does mean that Norwegians do bring back their bottles.
0: Right. Well, there are only 11 states in our country. There are
1: only 10. Oh, there are and that's only 10. Really interesting. And that's because Delaware had a bottle bill, and it got undone. And we will talk about that as we talk about why it is that we only have 10 states that have bottle bills. Why is it that 40 states can't get bottle bills enacted? But the same reason for that is what undid Delaware. And so the states that are left with bottle bills are Connecticut, California, Iowa, Maine, Massachusetts, Michigan, New York, Oregon, Vermont, and Hawaii. And we lost Delaware.
0: Well, I live in a community that attempted to have a deposit ordinance, so I understand what it's like to have one, what it's like to have a fight to get one. The opposition is strong and very well funded by industry, and I know what it's like to lose one and to see the change in what happens to waste when people get money back. So if I had a magic wand, and I'm sure you would join me in this, if we could have a national bottle redemption bill at 10 cents for each bottle and can, and including all of those new beverages, as you mentioned, that we didn't have 50 years ago. So let's talk about some of the facts about bottle bills or deposit fees, deposit ordinances. They're termed different ways.
1: Well, even though plastic beverage bottles are made out of a certain kind of plastic called PET that are actually able to be recycled, less than 10% actually get recycled. So this means that most of them enter the waste stream and get either burned or landfilled. And, you know, there's some really staggering effects on all of this every second In the United States, this is incredible, people open a 1,000 bottles of water every second in this country. That alone is just mind-boggling. It is. And every day, people in the United States throw away 60 million water bottles. That's why having a bottle bill is so important, because if every day people are throwing out 60 million water bottles because they don't have bottle bills, then if they would enact a bottle bill, those would have a charge and they would come out of the waste stream. They would no longer be littering the streets of wherever people live. And that's why enacting these bills would be so important.
0: Well, I was in impressed with the early adoption of Oregon, and I wondered, what is the magic selling point that got people on board, not only in Oregon, but in all of these states that agreed to go with it? Did they have a fight before they were able to adopt it into law?
1: Well, early on, because I remember Connecticut, which was not as early as Oregon, but it wasn't that much later, you know, it takes a while. For the opposition to realize wait a minute we've got a problem here we don't want these bottle bills we don't want five or ten cents on our beverages and we've got to organize ourselves and so even though of course there was opposition 50 years ago it was not as organized or as strong as it is today as well The states that I mentioned, they have very strong environmental groups, and what it takes really for bottle bills to pass, it takes for them to be, or the states to have more consumers that want these bottle bills than it takes for the organized opposition to win. And that's the balance has to be reverted. The problem is that the people who are, or the corporations who are against these bottle bills, outspend the people who are for them, sometimes 30 to 1. Mm. So they put in a tremendous amount of money, and there are a lot of them. So, you know, the people who are organizing to come out against these bottle bills are Coca-Cola, Anheuser-Busch. All the bottle water companies come out. The grocery stores, all of them, they fight these bills because they don't want to spend the money to put in a redemption place in their stores. In Connecticut, every one of our grocery stores has a place where you can bring back your bottles. All 10 states have that in their grocery stores. Well, if you start in, in your state that you want a bottle bill, all your grocery stores are going to have to pay money to put in a place to bring these bottles back. So the grocery stores really come out against these bills. And then the beverage companies, they think that if there's a 10-cent deposit, that people maybe won't buy as many of their product. And they come out very strongly against these bills. And so the public has to be mobilized in a major way to combat the
0: opposition. Right. Nancy, let me take one break because we're halfway through and I want to remind our listeners that if you're just joining us, you're tuned into Food Sleuth Radio. We are joined today by Ms. Nancy Alderman. She is the founder and president of Environment and Human Health, Inc., a nonprofit organization composed of physicians and public health professionals dedicated to protecting human health from environmental harms and certainly the waste stream. You know, I ride on a community bike trail. As often as I can. And it's so unfortunate when I look down into the creek and I see all these plastic bottles floating around and polluting what would have otherwise been a beautiful environment. So it it hurts everyone, even those who are affiliated with the opponents of bottle bills. And I'm glad you mentioned them by name because the irony should not go beyond mention. The Coca Cola Company, for example, likes to. Have a greenwash or a green halo whenever it can. Anheuser-Busch named the Natural Resources Building on the University of Missouri campus. So there's a lot of attempts to have a green halo, but if you dig deeper and you find out, wow, these companies are really fighting environmental protections and they need to be called out for that. The Coca-Cola Company produced 3 million tons of plastic packaging in 2017 equivalent to roughly 200,000 bottles a minute, and that was according to a report done by the BBC. And last year, Coca-Cola was ranked the world's top plastic-polluting corporation in an audit by the Campaign for Break Free from Plastic, and that's an excellent resource as well. Nestle and PepsiCo are ranked second and third, respectively. There are many myths that are put forth by these industries that don't want the bottle bills. And one of them that has come up that I've heard is, well, we don't need a deposit ordinance or a bottle bill. We've got curbside recycling. Why is that a myth? It isn't
1: true. So we do have curbside recycling, at least most states do, but there's not a huge incentive to put all these bottles in your recycling bin because there's no monetary reason to do it. And if you're drinking water or Sprite or Coke or whatever and you're out in a park or you're riding a bike on your trail and you finish drinking it, what makes you not just throw them away? As long as there's no money involved, then it doesn't work very well. It does work a little bit, but a little bit is not good enough. So, as I said, we know that the recycling of these things is under 10%. And one of the reasons that it's so difficult, plastic waste is very hard to recycle. It's hard to sort. There's no economic benefit to it. And the way human nature works is really, if there is a monetary reason to do something, we're all more likely to do it. And so, It is to the corporation's advantage not to have a fee on their bottles, and they know that. It also is becoming true that it's often cheaper for, for instance, Coca-Cola, where so many of its drinks are in plastic bottles, it's almost cheaper for them to use virgin plastic than it is to use recycled plastic where they have to melt it down and redo it. And so that's another reason they don't want all these bottles back. So if oil prices are down as they are now, I mean, when they go way up, then that's a problem. But for the most part, they're fairly far down and it's actually cheaper for them to use virgin plastic. Mm. That's a whole other problem. So the real issue is How do we get bottle bills enacted in the other 40 states? And to only have 10 states and to know that it works, I mean, that's the sort of crime of this. These bottle bills have been in existence long enough. We know exactly how they work. We know what works, what brings the bottles back. And yet, here we are with 40 states that don't have them. And so one of the things that Environment and Human Health would really like to see is how do we get at least some of these 40 states to start to enact them? And you talked about where you are and how hard it is to get a bottle bill done there. But it's also happened in Texas where they tried to get a bottle bill. And there's another state that tried very hard to get a bottle bill and couldn't, and they have sort of reported how they lost the ability to do it. And some of them, at least in Texas, they had a lot of government officials that were all behind the bottle bill, and they still couldn't get it done. They still couldn't get it done. And the tide has to turn, and I do think the only way it will turn is for the consumers to become stronger than the corporations.
0: Right. Well, there is a bill that has been sponsored by Senator Cory Booker, Democrat out of New Jersey, as well as Senator Jeff Merkley out of Oregon, Jared Huffman out of California, Alan Lowenthal, again, California. And they want to build upon the Break Free from Plastic Pollution Act, which was introduced in 2020. And they are hoping to have a national effort with a bottle bill. Do you think that this will happen?
1: Well, I don't know. I think it should happen. Mm -hmm. Let me put it like that. It definitely should happen. I don't know what's going to happen in the next two years. They look like difficult two years. Mm. And so... I don't know in the near future, but as far as I know, and I could be wrong, and you're very good at this, that you have talked about the national effort. I don't know that we had a national effort for a bottle bill before now, and maybe you do, but I think the plastic epidemic has become so worrisome and so severe, and so many of our bottles are in plastic. I would say the majority. We have a lot of cans and we do have a lot of glass, but the majority are in plastic. And certainly the water bottles are all in plastic. Right. And so my guess is that this is now a new effort to get bottle bills nationally. And as I said at the very beginning, things seem to work incrementally. I had to be taught that, that Mm. you don't give up because you don't get it. It can take more than one try, and sometimes it can take more than five tries. But the fact that it is out there and that you mentioned it as a new initiative means that eventually, hopefully, it will pass because we can't live with this plastic epidemic. It all turns into microplastics. And I'm sure in other interviews you have talked about that and how it's in all our bodies, it's in our lungs, it's in our bloodstream, it's in everything, it's in our fish. And so as the public becomes more and more aware of how serious this is, my guess is a national bottle bill will have legs. Do I think it will happen this year? I don't want to say no, but I think we have to be, I think we have to understand that important things sometimes incrementally come about.
0: Right. And I think it's important and imperative, actually, that all of us get friendly with our representatives and senators and let them know that we support the Protecting Communities from Plastics Act and that we want to see more regulation. Because it's not just, as you mentioned, an environmental scarring. You know, it's ugly on a trail, but it's powerfully harmful to our bodies to have microplastics circulating. I'm curious with regard to the bottle bill. So let's say we get all of these plastic bottles back. We've got a deposit ordinance in place. We bring our plastic bottles back as well as our aluminum cans and glass bottles. What happens to the plastic bottles that are returned to the place where we purchase them? Where do they go from there?
1: Well, as you know, plastic is made out of... They have seven numbers, seven different things. But the bottles are made out of PET, which are recyclable. I mean, they are reusable. So I'm not an engineer, and I haven't studied it, but my guess is that you can melt it down and get polymers out of it and remake it, which you can't do with all plastics. You know, a lot of plastics are not recyclable. They might go in the recycle bin, but they're not recyclable. But the plastic that we put our beverages in are recyclable. And so it would mean that they would get reused.
0: Nancy, we just have a minute or two left, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention the extended producer responsibility. Do you want to say anything about that?
1: I would just like to say how important it is. We tried in Connecticut to get a bill. What it means is that the manufacturers will be responsible for the end of life of their product. So if you are a manufacturer of plastic packaging, you will have to be responsible for it at the end of its life, which means it won't be thrown away, that you will have to take care of it. So it's terribly important in order to reduce our plastic uses. We did have a bill last year, in Connecticut. It did not pass. And actually, it wasn't a very good bill, to be very honest. But we're learning. EPR bills are complicated. It's not as simple as the definition of EPR is. The definition is really quite simple. You make something, you're responsible in the end for taking care of it. That's quite simple. But when you go to write these EPR bills, they are extremely complicated and you have to get it right. And so hopefully this year we'll have a better one and other states are working on them too. So what I would say to that is stay tuned.
0: Okay. Well, you have provided a number of excellent resources to learn more about this. The Container Recycling Institute is excellent. I'll provide a link to that. I think it's important to visit the Container Recycling Institute and study those myths and facts because when and if a deposit bill or a bottle bill comes to your state, be ready to face a barrage of myths regarding why it's not going to work and know that those are going to be funded by the industry that profits by not having A deposit, So that's critically important. And I have to put a good word in again for EHHI because you recently put out a publication on the microplastics. So if we really want to understand why we've got to get a stop on the plastics waste stream, these publications that you've created will also help us understand that. So, Nancy, thank you. And is there anything you want to leave our listeners with as we close?
1: Your interviews are so informative about the environment, agriculture, and all the things that affect us. And I just want to thank you for doing this.
0: Well, thank you. It's the guests that make the program work. In closing, I want to thank our listeners for joining us and remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemmelgarn for KOPN in Columbia, Missouri. Most of all, I want to thank Ms. Nancy Alderman, founder and president of Environment and Health, Inc., a nonprofit organization composed of physicians and public health professionals dedicated to protecting human health from environmental harms. Thank you so much for your time today, Nancy. Thank you very much.